This is the Jason Kavnis Experience, hosted by Jason Kavnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. Hello, and welcome to Jason Kavnis Experience. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. Our guest today is Mary Elaine Baker. Mary Elaine, are you ready to be great today? Oh, yes. Mary Elaine Baker is a co-founder and chief business officer of BAUSA, a values-driven, federal-owned small business that provides virtual administrative and marketing solutions for business owners, leaders of nonprofits, and entrepreneurs who are task-saturated. She and her husband, Brett, started BAUSA in 2018 as a way to give the military spouses flexible job opportunities while freeing their clients to focus on their passions. Mary Elaine, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm so, so excited. That, did I say your company? Is it VAUSA? Is it pronounced another way? VAUSA, just like that. So talk about how the name came about. What's the background on the, on the name? So I wish I could take credit for the name, but it actually uh, came from one of my closest friends. And she also works in the business and her name is Devis. And when we were, we actually were called Patriot Advantage before when we started the business. And it was really just me and one other person. And we decided to go through a rebrand. We learned a lot about copyright laws during that time. <laughs> and <laughs> some of it was a choice. Some of it was, it's probably the smartest decision. Just change our name now. So Devis brought it up and I, and I thought, wow, that makes sense because you know, it brings, it ties in our, our story and, uh, you know, USA, America, military has a lot to do with our history. And then uh, VA stands for, you know, virtual assistance. And that's what we do. So virtual assistance, America, VA, USA. So I'm guessing doing a rebrand, was that pretty painful to do? Yes. Very painful. I hope I never have to do it again. <laughs> people are like, you start a company like, you might think it's a modern decision. Oh, pick the name of the company, pick the colors. Like, like, first of all, I had no idea the colors had numbers, right? When I started doing the UX stuff, like, what are you yeah. talking about, right? No, the colors have numbers? Like, but people don't realize yes. how, like, how complicated mm -hmm. it can be, right? No. And I hired out, actually, that whole process to someone. And um, going through the process opened my eyes tremendously into how much goes into branding itself. And then going through a rebrand is especially painful because anywhere in everywhere you have your name, it has to be changed. And you don't realize how many places that is until you start getting in there. And even years later, we'll, you know, we'll still find somewhere that has our old name and we have to change it. So yeah, it's a pain, but I'm glad we did it. Marilyn, talk about what does it mean to be a value-driven company? So everything falls back on those values. That's how our culture was developed. And we hire based on those values. We fire and not, and I don't mean just clients. I mean, just assistants on our team. I mean, our clients as well. So we look when clients come to our doorstep saying, Hey, I would love to have a virtual assistant. We make sure that their values align with ours before we even take that next step. So 
finding out what those values are and having very open, honest communication about it, about, hey, this is who we are. This is what we, you know, believe. And this is, this is what, um, this is who we would like to work with. And it's perfectly fine if that doesn't fit where you're at in your life. Um, but it has saved us a lot of, of headaches and pains and actually attended a conference recently and they were talking about hiring and they would much, um, in general, people desperately hire because someone has the technical skills, you know, needed and okay, they can do the job, but they find out later on their values actually don't align with the company values or, um, their, you know, EQ is really low. Their emotional intelligence is really low. And that all kind of ties into it. And, um, that's really what should come first. So we believe in practicing what we preach. Also, these aren't just, um, you know, words that we put on a website. We, we live it out and, um, love our people through our values as well. Can you talk some about the importance of like small business owners, entrepreneurs, like having, having the courage to fire their, their clients, right? Cause a lot of people that bring out clients and they're a hassle, they're needy, you know, they're like mm-hmm. taking too much of their time. I mean, it, cause it takes some courage. You're, you're, you're a new business owner. You have two or three clients. Like, do you really want to fire someone who's like paying 50% of your revenue? But sometimes that's the Listen. best thing you do, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So when we started the business, I made, you know, I was like, come one, come all. Anyone who wants my services, we're here. I can help you. I can help you too. I can help anyone. And that really ended up biting us in the butt um, because, you know, some, maybe someone had integrity issues and that came out later on. And maybe they were doing something shady in their business that we didn't want to have any association with, but we also, um, you know, learn lessons through that. But at the end of the day, my people come first, you know, so I started my team pretty small. It was just a couple of people. But um, when I started realizing that a client can actually kill the culture of my team because of their behavior and their actions and their, you know, neediness, whatever it is, why would I want to subject my people to that? So I've always had this, you know, thought in my head, if, if I wouldn't personally want to serve this individual, why would I put my people up to that? So, and yes, I mean, you'll lose good people because of crappy clients. And that ends up hurting you more financially than anything else. And I mean, yes, the the ramifications long-term for that, um, is absolutely worth sacrificing that temporary pain to just get rid of that client. But it's a surprise how few few people get that right. So so many people mm-hmm. like the you know, customer's always right, and they are to an extent right, but not for the sake of your employees, right? So few people, few people get that, I think. Yes, I was uh, listening to the four week year that it was called. Yep, four year, and he also brought it down. He he went through a process where he eliminated a good percentage of his client base, you know, basically what you're describing clients who were just a pain to deal with. And he looked at the clients who were wonderful and amazing to work with, and he would bend over backwards for them. And they were a greater source of revenue. And he cut that out, the other percentage of people to make room and actively seek out more of the ideal client that they wanted to pursue. 
and it and it increased his revenue. And not only was you know that better, but his people were happier as well. We actually went through a pruning process um, last year, so and my people are much happier for it. <laughs> so, so how do you vet your, your clients? Like when they come on and try to come over to you, what's your process for mm-hmm. make sure make sure there's a value match as best you can. So what we do is we have, we call it a matching consultation. That's the first time we have a real uh, face-to-face virtually. We have a Zoom with them. And we have a series of questions that are more personal in nature to try to get to know what is their lifestyle like? What are they passionate about? We do ask them, what are your personal values? But we try to match that up based on what are they, how are they actually spending their time? And, you know, we'll, we learn, okay, if I, we also ask this question, if you had more time, because people come to us wanting to have more time, that's what they want. They want the gift of time. They want to eliminate a lot of those tasks on their plate and delegate it to someone else. And that means in return, they're going to get time. And so we ask them, when you get that time, what are you going to do with it? You know, if you could create your ideal world, what would that be like? And so you learn a lot about what's really important to people when they answer that question. And you know, we, we just, we want to know our, our clients on a personal level because we feel like you just can learn so much about an individual and where their values lie based on how they spend their time and what they're willing to um, just share about themselves. The other day I had a conversation with, with a lead and he said, I asked him, I said, how was your weekend? What'd you do this weekend? And he said, well, you know, I was that on the back of my property, clearing out some land, fixing this little bridge because we have a, a boys camp every year uh, on my property. And then I did this and this. And I said, oh, tell me more about that boys camp. And that really opened up this whole conversation about how he's so passionate about children getting out in nature. And um, uh, his faith has a lot to do with it. And he just really believes and serving, especially that middle school age group that tend to struggle a lot. I don't know about you, but middle school is hard for me. Uh, (laughs) But that showed me a lot about his character and, um, and his values just by opening that conversation. So I think that's that's great. But has anyone ever pushed back and said, Hey, um, I don't understand what you asked me all the questions. I just want to use your service. You don't need to know all these details about me. Has that ever happened? That's, Red flag, yes. Red flag for you. Okay. Red flag, y'all move forward. No, because what we're what how we operate is so relationship focused, and you know we're not just matching one warm body with another warm body. We want to make sure that they truly enjoy working together. They look forward to it, having a conversation with them. They want to be invested in in each other's lives and 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 business yes is a big part of it but there's so much more you know that goes into that and a lot of times business owners the business that they are um running they created so that has you know that's their baby they're very emotionally invested in that and so ideally the person that they're hiring will also care for that not just check a box okay i did these tasks but truly genuinely care in the way that they're going to genuinely care is by caring for the person that they're serving. And how do you get there? Well, you got to have trust. Well, how do you get trust? Well, you got to have a connection. You got to have aligned values. You got to have um, open and honest communication. 
how do you give critical feedback that is received well? Well, you got to build rapport with that person. So yeah, does that answer the question? It, it, it does. Okay. How often do you speak to your clients? Do, you like, do, you, do they like talk to you once a week or how does that work? Me personally? Uh, it varies. There is, I, I mean, we have around 90 clients right now, so it would be really impossible to yeah. talk to every client every week. But the ones that I have personal relationships with probably once a month. Okay. But our, but our team speaks to the clients get contact from our team once a week. So everyone has not just their assistant, but we call them a client success coach. So that's the representative of the company that just assures, how are you doing? How's life? You know, I mean, just the other day we had, her name's Michaela said, Hey, I'm going to send John flowers because I found out his wife um, had surgery, you know, last week. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely do that. And the only way we know things like that are happening is because the clients have trust with us. And they let us into their world. And then how do you like vet your VAs that apply to work for you to make sure they know what they're doing, so to speak? So you mean on a technical level? Yes. How do yeah. I vet them? Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so we have a program that we use that has a series of assessments that they go through. So we have, you know, our core competencies that we look for. We call one of the last assessments that we, or series assessments, just called VA Basics. So it's testing their organizational skills, communication skills, um, uh, calendar management skills, email management skills, uh, project and task management skills. So they go through a series of videos and then they have a little assessment after going through that and it gets reviewed. So we have some preliminary assessments that are just kind of you know baseline and then interview with our team then VA basics. And then that assessment is reviewed and then they get an offer. So next question. So you're, you're, you're a fully remote company, correct? Fully remote. Yes. And I, and I definitely think that's the way to go. However, comma, I don't think everyone is good at remote work, right? Like I think you have a certain set of discipline, certain set of skills. How do you make sure these people that come on with you actually can handle remote work? Cause I don't think it's for everyone. It's, it's not for everyone. And that's also a very tricky one to, if, if no one has had previous remote work experience to know for sure, are they going to hack it or not? So <clears throat> at this point though, it's, you know, 2022, almost everyone's had some kind of crash course in working remotely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that has helped a lot. I think people learn very quickly if that's going to work for them or not. So that has not been nearly as much of a concern as it was prior, honestly, to 2020. But we monitor them very closely the first 90 days, especially. And we have curriculum that they go through that talks about and teaches. They have a coach that teaches them, okay, if this is your first time working from home, here are the challenges that undoubtedly, no matter how talented an individual is, they're going to have to face. And that is creating your own work schedule, uh, learning how to time block, time management skills, and learning how to um, deal with distractions that happen at home. I have two 
two little ones at home. So there's always distractions and dogs and, you know, dishes that need to be done and all, all the things, my husband coming in saying, Hey, have you blah, blah, blah. And so that is, we, we can find out about the six week mark is when we actually know for sure. All right. They're going to make it through because the first four to six weeks, no matter how skilled that person is, it's going to be a little bit challenging, but after that they should start feeling traction. Um, and if they're not feeling traction and feeling, you know, very good about confident in what they're doing, then, then we raise the flag. So have you found the biggest challenge for new, new remote workers to be like them being unable to block off time and prioritize? Absolutely. Time, the time management is one of the hardest skills to learn. I think people in general struggle with time management, much less working from home and being able to create your own schedule. I went from being a teacher to having a bell ring and ultra structure around me to now I'm home all the time and I can kind of do whatever I want whenever I want. So that was hard for me. And I'm a fairly organized person. So having all that freedom sounds really nice. And then you have all that freedom and you're like, wait a minute, I have to hold myself accountable. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, because you have you have access to Netflix, Prime Video, Apple TV. And then you have access to all the food in the fridge, you know, and yeah, it's yep. a struggle. The struggle mm-hmm. is real, as they say. Mm-hmm. So for your VAs on average, how many clients do they handle? So it depends. Most of our people have a sweet spot between one to two. So it's very, um, they're very invested because, you know, they're not being drawn in a million directions. They can have up to three, which is a very small percentage of people end up having three. It's typically one to two. And for your VA company, and of course, there's a lot of VA companies out there, specifically, how do you compete with the ones from the Philippines? Like, everyone uses the Philippines VA, it seems like, right? Because they're cheap price, yes. all that kind of stuff. And they speak English. How do you compete with them? I don't try to. <laughs> Honestly, it's, we're so, yes, it's technically the same services or very similar services that they can provide. But who we are is just so different. And I think our clients come to us because they are seeking not just, again, the checking of the boxes of the task. They're, they're seeking an actual relationship with someone that is going to be truly invested in their business. And we've had clients try the outsourcing you know, to other countries and end up coming to us because they realize the cultural barrier was difficult for them to navigate, but also it was harder for them to um, feel like they had a true authentic relationship with that person. And, and they really wanted that. They wanted whoever was going to be working in their business with them to be truly invested. And that was a missing piece that they weren't getting. It absolutely works for a lot, for a lot of people. And I think it depends on the individual. I think it depends on the industry. I know a lot of real estate agents have a lot of success using, um, you know, outsourcing to the Philippines. Um, but it just depends, you know, it's, we don't, pre- again, we don't pretend that we're the right fit for everyone. We're not. And, you know, if it works for some business owners to have that, that's great. You know, and if, if not, then that's who we serve is for the people who are looking for that. Marilyn, can you talk about how you focus on your customer? 
What do you mean by that? Focus like, on like, that. Like, 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 like how you make sure they're upfront, all that, like you're, you take care of all the time, that, you know, the, the process you have is user friendly, all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So one of the obstacles that our clients go through, especially if they haven't worked with a virtual assistant before, is overcoming obstacles of communication and delegation with someone who's not physically in an office with them. So one of the ways that we kind of get ahead of that or guide the two, guide the assistant and the client through that is to give them a client success coach. So they have a coach that is there to help the two parties be able to work together well. And they'll talk through what needs to be delegated, the priority for delegation, and assure that there is um, trust and accountability is being established, especially the first 30 days. So that client success coach is looking for certain milestones based on what we know to be normal and expected, and also based upon what the client needs and wants. So that way you kind of have a third party overseeing that relationship and the client feels, you know, they can call that person, text that person. And, you know, sometimes the struggles are really, you know, all on the client. Like I, a lot of times we have clients who have death grips on, on what things that need to be delegated and they know it. They're like, it's me. I'm the problem. <laughs> and then sometimes it's, you know, the assistant is, there's a wall there for some reason. Um, so that coach is there to help both parties break down the physical and the unseen barriers that naturally come when you hire someone that you haven't, you know, physically met in real life and you don't have the, the ability to see them in an office setting every day. So, but that person, that client success coach is there throughout the entire relationship. And there are certain touch points that we make sure to have throughout that relationship. And beyond that, we just believe in celebrating life. You know, we want to know, hey, when have you hit a big milestone? When's your birthday? Or, um, you know, we have, we had a client who, or have a client that loves running, tri he, he does triathlons. And he has a, he told us, you know, one of his favorite things to do after a race is go eat Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> well, guess what we did? You know, we sent Buffalo Wild Wings gift cards because we, we, we want to celebrate with you. We can't, you know, be there eating wings and having a beer with you, but we are there in spirit and we see you and we're proud of you. So um, we just believe in rolling out that red carpet and, and celebrating life and, and also being compassionate when, when hard things happen. That's great. So do you have something like this? Like suppose a client says they need X done. Is there some kind of thing that says the VA has to do that X thing by a certain number of days? Or is that strictly between the client and the VA to figure out timelines? They normally work out the timelines on their own. Uh, we do have some general guidelines in regards to communication standards. So, you know, we, we tell our team, hey, a response within 24 hours of normal business hours is... Is, is kind of the baseline standard. But as far as specific tasks or projects, that requires very clear, open communication between that virtual assistant and the client themselves. That's actually a, a struggle a lot of times for clients is that they'll delegate a bunch of things and then not be clear on when they want it done by or what level of priority it is or giving feedback on when it is completed. 
So again, that's another reason why our coach is there to help guide them through, you know, because the assistant wants feedback. They want it. A lot of times they don't know. Was that a good job? Was that not a good job? And, you know, the worst thing that could happen is that the client is not giving that feedback. And maybe there was some critical feedback necessary to give, but for whatever reason, they didn't give it fear, don't want to hurt feelings or they're not used to giving feedback. It's not a habit. And then it can snowball into something way bigger than it ever needed to be. So we try to get ahead of that as well. And how do you handle clients who might be, we'll say like a, like a little needy, right? They'll send an email, like a BA, it'll say 10 in the morning. It's send another one 11 in the morning. Hey, did you get my last email? Like, how do you handle those things? How do you like hook them up, so to speak? Yeah. Sometimes I think that that's me you're describing and I, and I, God bless my assistant. Um, <laughs> I, I tell her, I'm like, Hey, if I'm stressing you out, tell me if I'm stressing you out. Cause I got a really high sense of urgency. And sometimes that can be overwhelming for, for other people. And I just, and most of the time it's not really that important, that urgent. It's just a lot of things just seem important to me in my brain. So what I tell my team, what we tell our team is always ask, you know, hey, does this really need to get done by this time? Or really, really early on, set those boundaries. Because if you don't set boundaries until six months, a year down the road, well, guess what? You have six months in a year or a year worth of bad habits that now don't need to be broken. So if you set those boundaries really early on, such as... um yeah. Hey, Jason, my working hours are between this time and this time and this time and this time. And this is when I normally get I'm at my computer. You could have my full attention after you know, 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. I'm in family mode. And then I tend to come back into work mode around 8 a.m. If it's truly an urgent matter, like, the you know, your business is on fire or whatever is an emergency, then please feel, feel, feel free to call me. Um, but otherwise, that's when I normally will respond and you can catch me. So go ahead and setting up that boundary in the beginning and then reminding, kindly reminding the, the client of those boundaries throughout the beginning of that relationship will help the two of you get into a good groove together. Um, but sometimes there are just clients who, who do that. And I mean, for example, if I send an email at midnight or 2 a.m. because I have insomnia and I had a great idea that was epic that I needed to get out of my head, I don't expect my assistant to respond. I never have that expectation. And I set that expectation up with my assistant as well. I tell her, hey, if I ever message you or email or whatever and, it, and your, your clock out is family mode, you don't have to respond to me. Like uh, it's, and it's up to you. It's up to that person to make sure their notifications are turned off. You know, there's so much control yeah. that I, we I tell, have. I tell, my, I tell my kids that all the time. Cause I'm on, I'm like, I'm on 24 seven. Like, and, and should I, you know, should I schedule the email? Yeah, I should, but I just never do. Right. I, I, I never think about yeah. it after I send the email. Right. So I tell my people, make sure you do notifications. Take, turn off your notifications. And honestly, everyone should do that. Whenever you want to be mentally clocked out, I mean, we all should have those personal boundaries for ourselves. Turn off notifications. If it's the weekend, 
and you want, you know, to really unplug, delete the apps from your phone and then add them back on Monday morning if you want to. But otherwise, it's always going to be temptation. Anytime you hear a ding, you're going to, it's just a knee jerk reaction to check it. And then once you read it, then you're like, oh no, now I got to respond because, and it's all lies. It's not true. None of it is true. So I think it's so important when you're working with anyone to go ahead and lay that out there. Hey, these are my habits. This is what I've, you know, you don't have to respond to me. Like, yeah. Okay. I understand those are your working hours. I get it. And then, you know, help, help hold each other accountable. Yeah. And, I, and this might be wrong a little bit, but I remember reading or hearing somewhere like, even just take email for a second, it takes your mind like a minute to get back in the mode, whatever you were doing before. Right. So basically like recharge like a minute at a time, every time you check email, do a notification and it's, it's taking over a your minute? focus. <clears throat> Maybe I would say 15, 20 minutes for me. I mean, it's just switching gears. I don't, I don't remember what that number is. I know what you're talking about, but yeah. yeah. Being able to switch gears mentally, I think it's around 20 minutes. Is it 20 it minutes? It takes to get, yeah, to move from one thing to another and task switch. So, yeah, in multitasking, that's garbage. Like, that's a, that's a myth. Yeah. Yeah. So, next, next question. Like, suppose a company signs up for you, right? With a small business signs up for you, right? Has ever searched for not only a small business, suppose he has five people on his team. What happens if, like, all five people start sending you a VA stuff to do? Is it like, no... Only one point of contact per company or how does that work? Um, it just varies. It depends on the capacity of the virtual assistant. So what we try to do is get all that information up front. You know, if typically they know, they know, okay, I want this person to respond to three people in the company or manage four accounts, whatever it is. And so when we go to our pool of candidates and people that we have, we are upfront about that. Hey, this is the mental load. This is the task load approximately. This is about how many hours, you know? So would I give that client to someone who already has two other clients? No, absolutely not. This would probably have someone who has a lot more open capacity and can kind of juggle all of that. Now, the how the, the chain of communication is unique for every organization, but we also would want to know who are the people, what are their roles, but more importantly, what are they accountable for and why and how would they be utilizing the virtual assistant role? And sometimes we find out through that process, they need maybe two assistants on that team based on the roles and everything that's going on, because what they're looking for is really two different kind of um, what I would say are working geniuses. You know, maybe they're looking for someone who is more marketing, social media, creative. And then they're also looking for someone who is, you know, very good at tasks and project management or, uh, you know, there's basic administ solid administration skills. Sometimes one person can do both, but a lot of times we, we try to break that out to where that's their focus and their area of genius. Is this such a thing as a perfect customer for you? A perfect customer. I struggle with that word perfect a lot, but I would say my ideal customer is someone who 
cares about our mission and our mission. We, we're out there to try to help our military community by providing virtual flexible job opportunities for military spouses. I'm a military, well, veteran spouse now. Myself, I grew up in a military family. And my ideal customer is someone who really cares, cares about our country, cares about our military, cares about um, the spouses, and maybe they just aren't sure how to help but this is a way that they can help um, and also have some of their needs met as well. So that is very important. You got to get our mission. You got to love our why, um, because if you do that, then you're going to love our people. And again, my people are coming first. So if you love my people, that's wonderful. And then they don't have to come in knowing or being excellent delegator delegators, but they, they definitely want to learn and they're coachable. So I love working with clients who are coachable and don't come in pretending that they know it all. Um, they, they're humble. They say, hey, this is where I'm at. This is, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. I could use help with this. You know, I'm not that very strong here. And they're open to hearing feedback also about themselves because, you know, like you said earlier, you know, do whatever it takes to make your customer happy. Well, that, that doesn't normally work out all the time if, there's, if they're very arrogant and they think that, think, and they think they're perfect. <laughs> and if someone comes in humbly and are coachable and realize, okay, I can learn from this company that are really great at communicating and they have seen a lot of clients go through the process of learning how to delegate and be better delegators, those are our favorite people to work with. So, so, mm -hmm. so, so I'm going to change my word perfect to ideal. Next, do you have an ideal VA that they can that would work for you? Oh, you do? No, do you, you have an idea? Yeah. Oh, I you tell me. You, tell yeah. me. Yeah. you have someone for me. I'm yeah. like, yeah. wonderful. Good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So ideal VA also understands our values, our culture, and our mission and want to be a part of that. So we have about 70% of our team are military affiliated. So that means we have a percentage that are not military affiliated, but they love our mission still and they want to support it. Um, so have to be aligned there. Values in our mission really want to be a part of that, really want to be a part of a community. There are a lot of people who want to work from home because they want to be left alone. And, and that's fine, but that's just not who we are. We want people to be a part of the community, contribute to our community because we love doing life together. It's not just about work for each other. We try to, you know, we have regional meetups. We um, have contests. We have fun. We um, we celebrate births of babies. We celebrate birthdays. We we just we go all out, you know, for each other. And so we're really looking for someone who wants that too. Who who not just wants to take from it, but also give to it to contribute to that community that we've created. Um, and then beyond that, high emotional intelligence, high emotional intelligence. That is, I can do, we can do so much. If you have a high emotional intelligence, you have a growth mindset and you are, Patrick Lynchoni says, humble, honest, and smart. You come to the table with those things. I mean, we can teach you almost anything. 
Marilyn, do you, do you say that your VAs tend to be more introverts or extroverts or, or like pretty much like even split between those two? That's a really good question. I can see it would be I would both. say we have a good, we have a mixed bag. Absolutely. We have a mixed bag of, of all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. But next, talk about growing up as a, as a military dependent, you know, I guess the, the term is military brat. My kids grew up in the military. It's about the advantages, disadvantages, you know, of that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So you talk my upbringing in yeah. the military yeah, family? Yeah, as, as a okay. military dependent. So my story begins, I mean, from being a military brat from my father being, he was active duty in the air force. He was deployed the first, um, or he left the first year of my life. He was in Korea and my mother moved from Honduras. That's where she's from to America. And it was a lot of moving around. We were very little when I was very little and he decided he wanted uh, a little bit more stability. So he switched from full-time or active duty, the air force to full-time in the air national guard. And we settled uh, in Georgia. So it was very interesting. I think growing up in one, uh, just having two very different cultures in my home and very different influence that way. And having a heavy, the culture of the military lifestyle in my home my father was pretty strict uh to say the least and he had very 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 high standards when it came to our values and integrity and work ethic and very little room for I guess leniency in in any of those things so I grew up you know as soon as I was old enough to start working I was working because my father had, Hey, we're just not going to hand you things that you want. As soon as you're able, you're going to go earn it. And I had, I don't even know how many jobs I've had since I was you know, a teenager. And that taught me a lot. And then I went into education right after I met my, my now husband and I was a teacher for the first five years of our marriage. And he was um, an army ranger and just gone all the time. It was a, a constant yo-yo here, gone, here, gone. Most of our relationship was apart for about 10 years. We spent most of our time apart because even when he was home, he was not home. He was off training somewhere or could get called in in the middle of the night. So it was just very, I would say our lifestyle was very chaotic it didn't feel very stable. And that's actually part of the reason why I made the switch from being an educator into um, being a virtual assistant myself. I wanted more balance. I wanted more stability. And I knew we couldn't change his career. He was you know, locked in for quite a while. And I thought, okay, well, I will, I will take that jump because I need it for myself. My children need me more. And I want to be able to, when my husband is home, I want to be able to enjoy that time freely with him. So, yeah. yeah. Growing up as a kid, do you have a, like a favorite place y'all, y'all are stationed at? I mean, I would have to say here in Georgia. I don't know Georgia. if you've ever, we, we um, and we actually <clears throat> current, I moved back to my hometown in February. So 
yeah, I'd say that it was my favorite. Um, but we lived just outside of Savannah, Georgia. And that's also where I met my husband and he was stationed here and it's beautiful. We have the beaches nearby, uh, lots of history, art, culture, so many fun things to do. It's a really fun small city, if that makes sense. There's something for everyone. So it's not a bad place to get stationed at <laughs> all. There's a, quite a few military bases around here, actually. So you bring up a good point and talk about this some more, right? Because a lot of people like, you know, they support the military, all that kind of stuff. But I don't realize, realize they know how much we sacrifice, right? Like, for example, like your husband go all the time. Like, I, I use me mm-hmm. as an example. Like, I deployed one year, came back the next to do training and left again, right? But, but the year I'm training, you're never home, right? You're, you're training. You're going to NDC. Mm-hmm. You're going to different things, right? So you're home technically, but you're really not at home, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of military couples get divorced. And it's it's sad, but it is it's so trying on the person individually and, and on the marriage and on the children. Thankfully, we didn't have to do a lot of moving around. We have lots of people on our team that move every two years, sometimes more. My goodness, I can remember one time this this couple moved, I think, two or three times in one year. In That's one rough. year. And she had littles at home. And it, I mean, she was so thankful that she could take her job no matter where she was bouncing around. And that's why we created it. But um, it's, it's so trying on the marriage. I really think military couples are just some of the strongest people I've ever met. And I'm, I'm not just saying that because I'm, I'm one. I'm saying because of the lifestyle that we've had to go through. And so once, once you're in it for a few years, one, you learn a lot about yourself. <laughs> you learn a lot about what you're capable of. And for me, I, I'm thankful for a lot of those challenges because I think, it, you know, I had to be broken and, and, and able to get strong in order to get stronger. And I mean, I was, I, I got, broken so many times in so many ways and disappointed and curveballs thrown at me and change of plans and um you know just lonely you know learning how to live in in a state of loneliness you learn so much about yourself and and how to move past that and how to be at peace with it um was huge for me because I love being around people and for me, you know, my husband's my best friend. And so for so much, I had to be without my best friend. Um, and then, of course, all the burden of, okay, all the running of the household, all of the things that, you know, you're, you're supposed to kind of share the load with your spouse, it's all on you. And, and then, I mean, you talk about mom guilt, you know, I would come, I would go pick up my kids from school. I mean, from school, daycare, come home. And I couldn't wait for them to go to bed. I was just like, okay, I'm counting down the minutes. I just need you to go to bed. Just so I have a few moments of peace before I can go to bed. Um, And I, that's part of the reason why I left, you know, my normal nine to five job, because I, I felt guilty about that. Like every day, I just couldn't wait for it to end. And then dreading the next morning. That's a terrible, you know, place to get mentally. 
Um, but so many military families are, you know, struggling in that. And I also, you know, my husband says this all the time, military spouses. I mean, they, it's one of the most, uh, think was one of the most thankless jobs out there. Everyone thinks the veteran and they don't, or, or the military member and they, they don't pause to think of like, wait a minute, who's back at home supporting this person and making sure, you know, that home doesn't fall apart. Yeah, that's a great who's, point. Who's, the, who's the one at home praying for them every day for their safety? So, yeah. So, Marilyn, um, can you talk some more about, so there's two things I want you to talk about. One is a military spouse unemployment, you know, not, not having any jobs. I think it was even worse underemployment, right? Because I know that, like, based on demographics, military spouses have highest unemployment and underemployment rate because so many of them have, have bachelor's degrees. Like, perfect mm-hmm. example, when I was a uh, state in Vicenza, Italy, all, all, the, all the commissary baggers were military spouses and they all have master's degrees. Of course, Italy's different because all, all the visas and stuff, right? But mm-hmm. it's just a challenge, right? Because you, you support your husband or your spouse like 10, 15, 20 years, you get out. And like you've done stuff, you know, volunteer stuff, FRG, but the civilian world doesn't count that really, right? So he has this big gap and you're trying to get a job and like, what have you done for 20 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're hitting, you're hitting a, a very passionate subject of mine, obviously. But yes, I mean, the, one of the statistics, and I think it's only gone up recently. My husband shared an article with me and I can't remember, but... One of the statistics that I've heard is the unemployment rate is four times higher for military spouses than the national average. Um, but I think that's gone up. I'll have to verify that. But And the underemployment is, is absolutely true. So when we get resumes, we have a lot of gaps. You know, when, when our team's reviewing them, there's a lot of gaps in there because, I mean, that's who we're attracting. That's who we want to hire our military spouses. So for us, it's normal, right? And we also know just because you have gaps in your resume doesn't mean you weren't doing anything. <laughs> you absolutely <laughs> were doing doing very, very important things. And, let, and we want to talk about that. You know, well, we want to talk about that because that's valuable to us. We know that behind, but maybe it's not a, a business you're serving, but you're serving your family. And like you said, you were serving your FRG, maybe you're volunteering. And we do look into those things. But, um, and we also know that that lifestyle that you've been living sharpens your, your soft skills, which are the most valuable skills to have. And frankly, I talk to a lot of business owners and it's hard. Those soft skills are hard to come by for, especially right now, it's so hard to hire in general, but those soft skills are really what people are looking for. So if you can find a way to articulate those soft skills, explain how you've been able to sharpen those soft skills and why you're strong in them, that, I mean, that will automatically help you rise, you know, rise up compared to a lot of civilian counterparts, frankly. But I mean, I, I speak to military, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go speak to some military spouses about how to position yourself better in interviews and also kind of 
a lot of times it's our own mental blocks thinking employers automatically don't want to hire me because I'm a military spouse. They kind of put that mental block in their head and they're coming into interviews uh, already thinking that they thinking less than of themselves. And what I try to tell, you know, military spouses is you got to get over that. If you don't see the value that you're bringing to the table, nobody else is going to see it. If you don't start believing it, not just saying it, but believing that, no, I have great value to bring to this table and speak confidently about yourself in that way, then no one will believe it. If you come making excuses or, you know, making or positioning yourself as a victim in any of this or, or very, um, kind of reserved about your gifts, if you hold back, people can feel that in interviews. They can feel it. They can pick up on it like that. But if you come to the table knowing, hey, this is who I am. These are the soft skills I have. This is how I was able to develop them. This is what I'm passionate about. And this is what I'm looking for in a workplace. Night and day difference. So Marilyn, that's a great point. Like, I know a lot of military spouses like yourself, other friends I know who like, you know, you know, quote unquote, making stuff happen, growing companies, getting master's degrees. I mean, this making it happen, right? But then again, I know a lot of military spouses too, like you said, the victim, oh, they're not going to hire me, nothing's for me. Like, how do we get the, those, those spouses to be more up to speed, so to speak? Is it like, is it on this military spouse, like training themselves up? Is it so the military be giving some kind of training? Like, the civilian workplace, like, who should be doing that? Oh, there are a few nonprofit organizations out there that are that are phenomenal. One of the ones we love working with is Hire Here is USA. And they have a serving spouses program that can um, that really helps kind of guide people through that process and helps them with those interview skills, help helps them with their resume, resume on how to translate you know, what were you doing during that time? So it's not just one thing on that piece of paper and, um, and how to, you know, kind of help them go through those mental blocks, how to clean up your LinkedIn, how to present yourself professionally to the world, especially if you've been out of the workplace for a while, because, you know, there are people like with, with those master's degrees that you say, but they never actually did anything with it. You know, they may have that higher education, but they weren't able to do anything with it because of the lifestyle that they had. And they made a choice to focus on family, which is a very honorable choice. Um, so some of that is, okay, yes, I have this degree, but I have a lack of experience. So I may have to start lower than what I thought I needed, where I wanted to start because I kind of have to get that experience under my belt. And, and uh, bolster my resume for a little bit, you know, make that sacrifice is painful. But I mean, that's, that's a lot what a lot of employers are looking for is not just that piece of paper. But the proof in the pudding that you've, you've been able to apply it and use it. So that's a that's a really hard thing for someone who has that degree, but doesn't have the experience yet. So there will be a time kind of, you know, sweat equity you got to put in to be able to get back to 
where you originally wanted to be when you left, you know, that college or finished that degree. But I had a master's degree, have a master's degree, and I, I left the education world and um, became a virtual assistant. And that was a hard thing for me, you know. It was a big ego check for me, right? Like, you, you were able to hung, you were able to hung yourself, right? Absolutely. I, because for me, I valued my time and my family more. You know, I had to realize, okay, how valuable is my time? And am my time with my family? And my mental health? Because all of that was, was suffering. I was trying to, you know, I was working well over 40-hour weeks. And my husband got all the time and two young children, I was paying for daycare and had very little margin for myself, for social life, for working out, you know, all, all the things that you need to kind of stay balanced and, and keep your mental health strong. And once I realized, wait a minute that is more valuable to me than this piece of paper I worked for or this, even this career that I worked for up into this point, maybe it served me then, but it's not going to serve me now or in the future. And I have to pivot. And that is hard. That is, that is a very hard thing to accept, but for me, it opened the door for I mean, this business that I never would have otherwise thought to pursue unless I had gotten to that kind of low point of my life. That low point of my life closed that door and then opened a door for something that I really didn't think would ever lead to where I'm at now. But I thank God every day that it did. So, Marilyn, do you think military spouses, and, and this not military spouses, but females in general, put too much pressure on like, you know, be the, 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 be the perfect wife, the perfect worker, the perfect mother, the perfect everything, right? Everything has to be perfect, perfect, perfect. And still try to take care of themselves. I mean, it's not that, that's a lot, isn't it? I told you, I don't like that word. <laughs> uh, ideal, I'll say ideal, the ideal wife. The, the ideal wife. No, I mean, but that's, that is actually why I don't like that word because yes, People, I mean, I, I can only speak from my personal experience and then my, you know, people I encounter, my friends, my, my team, mostly military spouses, mostly mothers. The, the main roadblock that I feel most, most people, most women, military spouses encounter is that unrealistic expectation of what we should be instead of saying to ourselves, I'm not good enough or I'm not enough or I'll never be fill in the blank. Focusing on again, the value you are bringing to the table, the value that already exists within yourself and giving yourself credit where credit is due. I think, again, for me personally, I, I struggled a long time with actually admitting 
that I was a badass at a lot of things, <laughs> like that I really was rocking it in being a mom. You know, I was doing my absolute best. I was working so hard. I was um, not, I was not giving myself enough grace to realize that I'm already more than enough. And I'm striving to be something that's not realistic. And frankly, no one is. So, yeah. So I remember hearing this, uh, I kept having it a few years ago, I think. So there was, a, like a, there was a news team, like I think in Atlanta or Dallas somewhere, it's like co-anchors of man and woman, right? And they did an experiment for a whole year. The man was the same thing to work every day, same suit every day, right? And the female feel like, feel like, Word change all the time, but sometimes we're the same things back to back. No one, they, and then they wrote everything down. No one ever said that to the man, like, hey, hey, guy, like, you know, you see, like, 20 days in a row, what you doing, right? It's the same tie. But every time the lady wore some of the same of the week, someone made a comment. And I always thought that was interesting, right? Like how much, like, be attend, pay attention to what females were and not guys, which is totally unfair, I think. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, you know? I mean, I think women draw more attention because maybe we're, you know, uh, more enjoyable to look at. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, a nice way to put it. <laughs> so maybe that's why. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. But I mean, hmm. When I was a teacher, I, and I don't even know if this is a fair, fair comparison, okay? Because my, my students saw just me every single day, right? And what grade were, you, were your students? Primarily fourth grade, but I've, I taught kindergarten through fifth grade. So, but most of my years in, in fourth grade, but kindergartners are brutal with their honesty. I don't know how much experience you have with five yeah. and six year olds, but they are, they're brutal with their honesty, but I mean, all, and, all and, children and, are. And they have no filter. No filter whatsoever. And so, you know, most of the time I'd show up to work, dress appropriately, my hair fixed, some makeup on. And I would have some mornings where I woke up later than normal. I was running behind. So I would come in with, no makeup, my hair up, you know, in a crazy bun or something. And those, I mean, children notice right away. Miss Baker, are you okay? Why aren't you wearing makeup? Miss Baker, why is your hair like that? Miss Baker, that's, that looks kind of crazy. So, again, I don't even know if that's a fair comparison because all they so saw funny. was me. They're always staring at me every day, but um, that is interesting. Yes. So, mm -hmm. I think I pulled this from your website, uh, this phrase. And what does this mean to you? Creating community that changes the world. Creating community that changes the world. So a conference that I recently went to and I spoke at, that was the overarching theme for the whole conference. And they asked me to talk about how basically were we able to create a strong culture, a community with a completely remote team. And so I spoke on that and the other speakers, you know, just spoke about why and how, you know, 
to implement a positive culture, not just in your workplace, but when you do do that in your workplace, how it creates a ripple effect beyond, you know, and I think, for example, I grew up in the church and a lot of Christians think if they're going to change the world, they got to go on these mission trips to places all over the world. And that's not true. If you want to change the world, it starts right there in your home. And then your neighbor, your next door neighbor, and the person you see at work every day, or your Uber driver that you get in the car with. And when people slow down enough to really think about that and then make it in an intentional, make an intentional effort to implement change for the better, be it in your workplace or in your home, that affects so many more people because you're changing that person. You're modeling for them how they should be influencing other people as well. And it, and that change just continues on. So, so that's a great point, right? I mean, there's so many people in need. I mean, you look at it, if it's probably your own family has needs, people around you has needs. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of work to do out there, like you said. Mm-hmm. So Marilyn, mm-hmm. your, your, your faith is important to you. Can you talk about why your faith is so important to you? Well, I was very fortunate to grow up with uh, parents who are believers. And I grew up in, you know, in the church and learning about God from a young age. And I became a believer at, you know, eight years old. Um, and I would say about five, six years ago, I really started to focus more on my spiritual life and my walk with God. And I honestly believe that a lot of those decisions that I made to make such a major career change. And, you know, I talked about those doors shutting and opening and really humbling myself. I prayed a lot about those decisions and so did my husband. And while my ego, myself, struggled with that, my heart was very much at peace with it. And so even when I had fears or doubts, my faith and knowing that I didn't really have to worry got me through and helped me make the right decisions to be able to open more doors. And those started coming. And that is also why I believe, you know, my business is supposed to be used to love people. And I, I've, I think if more business owners realize that their job is not to just make money, which is very important. Um, there's this phrase I, I learned through a, a Christian peer advisory group that I'm a member of. It's called C12 but it's no margin, no mission, right? So we got to make money. It's very important. If we don't have any margin, when it doesn't matter what, what else we're doing, none of it will go, move forward. And, and that goes for time as well, which is another subject for another day. But your people are what's most important. I think we spend about a third of our life working. And 
how sad is it to know that we could be spending a third of our life doing something with people we don't care about, with uh, toxicity, with no empathy, with, you know, no, people don't want that. People want connection. People want to care about each other. People want to be cared for. People want to be loved. People want to be seen and heard and appreciated. And I think it's our responsibility as business owners to show that love. And it can show up in many different kinds of ways. But my faith taught me that. You know, treat your, you want to treat your neighbor as you want to treat yourself. Well, guess who my neighbors are? People I work with every day. People I hire, they're my neighbors. Yeah, I don't think people realize that you actually, you, you sometimes spend more time with the people you work with than your spouse, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So is your, is your, your, is your husband uh, a co-owner of the business, co-founder? How is he involved? He is. He is the co-founder. And he was in for a little bit longer after we started the business. He's been out, though, for about... Um, Three years now, I think, is when he got out of the military. So when he got out, he immediately went into corporate world and worked in corporate America for about a year. Quickly realized that was not for him. And <laughs> uh, and thankfully, we were able to um, sustain him being home full time with the business at that point. So he came home. But... Honestly, he is not working in the business very much at all. He is loving building a homestead for our family. So he spends most of his time working on this garden and um, making food for the family and just really loving a much more simple and peaceful life that he so deserves after a roller coaster of a career for almost 13 years. So, so Marilene, yeah. uh, for, for the time that, that he was with the company, can you talk about the advantages mm-hmm. or disadvantages of, of having a company with your, with your spouse? So both my husband and I are very passionate people and very, um, we have very strong beliefs and a lot of times we're aligned. But when we're not aligned, it can get very intense (laughs) in our conversations (laughs) because we're so passionate. So one of the struggles is honestly just communication. You know, how when we don't agree with each other or we have different ideas about how to go about anything, it can be personal or in the business, how do we um, communicate that to each other without triggering each other's ego? And what do we do when, when we do trigger each other? How do we react to that? So we had to learn that. And thankfully, before he officially was out of the military, we had a period of time where he was able to be home a lot more. There was um, kind of that transition period. And so he was able to be home a lot more. We went and um, took a communication like three-day workshop and it was one of the best investments ever in our in our business and in our marriage and we we, we've actually taught all of our 
leadership team, a lot of those communication skills is in our onboarding curriculum as well. But that was huge for us to be able to build this business together. So he was way more involved in the early years of the business and he's been able to take a big step back um, recently. But that was huge because we really struggled with communication because of we hadn't we we didn't have to be around each other very much up until that point. So we had to learn and develop those communication skills, but also learning how to kind of set those boundaries between work conversations and connecting as a couple because we both love business. Um, I mean, we intend to build more businesses together. So we both love it. You know, he's taking a little break right now, but I mean, he's already creating more business plans for other things that we want to go, you know, pursue. So we have to learn how to turn it off. We love working. We love, um, we're very passionate about our dreams and, and building all of that out together. But we have to remember that's not our whole relationship. And we have to be careful because it can quickly dominate uh, what we talk about, eat, sleep, and breathe it. And, um, you know, it takes intentionality to kind of reconnect and, and get out of that daily grind, especially when we're working from home, because it's very unclear what those boundaries are when work is in your home. <laughs> Barely, you already talked about the sum. Can you go into more detail about your own entrepreneurial journey, like how you went from a teacher, you decided to start the big business? You know, like any like, did you have to overcome second guessing? Did you have to say, hey, you know, I can really do this? Yes. I mean, that goes, I mean, a lot back to my faith because I did, I did struggle with that. I had imposter syndrome and I never went to business school. And I mean, thankfully I had a couple of wonderful mentors that are very, very successful in business. And so a lot of times when I would struggle, I would pick up the phone and say, Hey, this is, this is what I'm, this is what I'm struggling with right now. And they would help kind of snap me out of that mental, you know, struggle that I was having. And again, my faith kind of helped me discern between what is true and what's untrue. What are, what am, am I just because my brain thinks something, it doesn't mean it's true. And so kind of making sure I knew the difference between my heart and my intuition and facts versus a story that I'm making up in my head. And I think a lot of fear comes from unknown. You know, we want to know all the answers. We want to know if we're going to fail or not, because if, I mean, if we all knew that, that'd be awesome, but not knowing what the outcome is going to be can you know, make a lot of fears come in and negative thoughts. So I struggled. I think anyone who thinks that they, or whoever says they, they didn't struggle or um, never really had that. I think they're lying. I think we all do to some degree, but um, yeah, my faith and my mentors and my husband, my best friend, absolutely great people who I could trust and be vulnerable with. And they know um, how to kind of help me snap out of it. And then my faith. Absolutely. So Marilyn, how did you figure out your, your current business model? Like how did you validate the company? This was the right business model for you that the idea was correct. Can you talk about that process? So 
my experience was working with working with clients, I realized that they had a lot to learn about how to best use me and how to communicate with me. And thankfully, I was a teacher before. So it was easy for me to kind of coach my clients on how to be able to work with me. It came kind of easily. And then when I had the idea of the business, it came from realizing, oh, there are a lot of people just like me. It's not just a Mary Lane problem. It's a chronic issue with a lot of my military friends and then beyond in the country. So I realized that there was an untapped talent pool. And because of my connections and my network, I knew it would be too easy to find the right, to find the people. The hard part would be, how do I get them to work together? You know, I can find clients. My clients are, I mean, we've been like 98% referral based since we started. So the clients were, were coming. That wasn't the problem because they're already referring people. It was, and I could find the talent. It was, how do I educate the two on how to work together? So as a teacher, I came up with kind of a baseline curriculum and I guided them through that process. And then over the years with, you know, hiring people that are even that are way smarter than I am, they made it better and better and better over the years. So it's constantly evolving. But as far as the, the business plan goes, what I knew I didn't want to do was track or lock any clients into working with us where they weren't getting the value or um, it wasn't a right fit for where they're at. So one of the, one of the things that we implemented was, you know, it's month to month. You can, you can leave at any time. And when you decide to engage in business with us, um, there's no minimum amount of time you have to stay with us either. So you don't have to stay for 90 days or any amount of time. It's truly just month to month. So that's a model that we've implemented since the very beginning and it works out really, really well for us. Um, and then it also has just really worked out that we have clients who, again, refer other clients. So we don't have to spend that much marketing dollars, you know, to go out and, yeah, you know, we're not, we don't have a marketing budget like Amazon and Target, <laughs> right? So the business model on marketing or that piece is we just treat our clients like family. If we love our clients and we love our people and we do that really, really, really well, they'll just keep referring more people. They're, they will be our advocates. So that's a big part of our business model is, you know, we put a lot of our time and effort and resources into the nurturing of the relationship. And they will go out and be advocates for us. And those are the best people to work with are people who are coming from other wonderful people that we have a great relationship with. So Mary Elaine, let's suppose tomorrow you have a, you have a list of hundred things to do. The priority list number one, two, all the way to hundred. What do you do to make sure that you work in priorities one, two, and three versus jumping to number, number 97? <laughs> well, I always want to do what I want to do first. <laughs> but, and normally it's like the fun things or the easy things or the, you know, the ones that make me feel good that I can make a little check mark <laughs> on my list. 
Exactly. Um, my assistant helps hold me accountable a lot of times. That's that's one of the great things about having someone else have eyes on your to-do list is that they can help with the prior- prioritization. And as soon as I say, hey, this is a high priority and I know I'm going to resist getting it done, I need you to just stay on me. So that helps. Accountability is huge. Um, but downloading the day before also helps because the night prior, you have, you know, wherever you put this, it can be a journal, legal pad, notes on your phone. You look at what you accomplished for the day. You look at what you have going on for tomorrow. You look at all the tasks that need to be done and you commit the night before. It's much easier to commit the night before because you haven't woken up and not had coffee yet and not, you know, gone through the, uh, the morning frustrations and then get distracted or whatever. You're kind of making a written agreement to yourself the day before, before you're emotionally and mentally, you know, kind of struggling or, or, or will have more temptations the next day in front of you for not getting those top things that need to be done. So mentally you're in a much better state to make that commitment the day prior than you are the day of most of the time people don't even prioritize at all the day of so prioritizing the day prior helps a lot with starting the day off the right foot and knowing you've already made that commitment to yourself very nice know being an entrepreneur you know whatever tool you want to use no it's, it's hard not easy difficult that's be all in, encompassing. It takes, you know, everything, you know, it controls your life. But having said all that, what do you do to make sure you take care of yourself? So one is, I actually was just talking yesterday with my husband about this um, because I could tell I was getting to a point where I was overwhelmed and stressed and struggling to kind of mentally juggle all the things that are going on in my world. And I realized I hadn't taken a, like a break, a little mental break to even just go walk around my yard, to go walk down my driveway to get out in nature. That, I mean, it's science getting out in nature, taking a break, getting 30 minutes of sun every day is huge for your mental health and being able to juggle um, kind of that mental load that you have going on. So that's big for me. If I spend too much time inside without getting out into the sun for at least a half hour a day, bare minimum, it will start to wear on me. Two, uh, working out. Uh, my prime time to wake up is 5 a.m. Most productive days I have are when I wake up at 5, get to the gym, get it out of the way. First thing, because if I don't get it done in the morning, most of the time I won't get done. You got to swallow your frog. So, And it's become, it used to be a source of, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. Now, I look forward to it. Now it's more enjoyable, but it definitely took me a while to get to a point of actually enjoying it. Um, so working out, spending quiet time, 
you know, even if you're not a person of faith, I fully like quiet, silencing your mind, meditation, prayer um, is again, it's science. I'm not making this stuff up, but uh, anytime I can, I commit myself to it and I do it consistent, consistently, I am far more enjoyable to be around and much more productive. Taking a clarity break. I don't know if you're familiar with EOS, but, um, okay. So taking a clarity break where you're stepping away from the business to just think and let creative juices flow instead of, you know, one of the struggles we have as entrepreneurs, I think is, is being too in the business all the time. And we're, you know, putting out fires and it's the end of the day and we feel exhausted, but we don't feel productive. There's a big difference. And, and most people who start a business have a visionary mindset. Most people who start a business are, you know, the visionary of the company and you didn't become a visionary by grinding it out every single day. Those creative ideas and epiphanies and solutions and um, awesome strategies usually came from a time where you were physically away from the business. And so creating those structured times where you can step away from the day to day and just think creatively or let creative juices come and, you know, think about the big things going on in the business and where you want to take the company, where, what are those next big things you want to take on and, and evaluate, reflect on, are you where you want to be? You know, what are you struggling with and asking yourself those questions? Um, that's huge for me. That's such a great point. Cause like so many people, just entrepreneurs, people in general, we're always bringing, taking so much content, we're watching TV, we're on podcasts, we're reading books, people are talking to us. But like you said, it, it's so important. Like at least and I try to do my, myself and I got to do better. And I try to do at least 30 minutes a day where like nothing's on my brain. Right. Cause like, you know, it probably comes to your brain when you're not if you listening to anything or hearing nothing. Like so all the creative juices come, great ideas come, stuff you thought about and forgot about comes back in your head. I mean, that's so important, I think, right? It's hardly anyone does that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just live in a very distracted society and it's very easy to get caught up in, um, you know, I, I call this my ball and chain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, taking a step away from that is huge too. And it I is. mean, my husband, my husband holds me accountable with that. Like, put it, just put it all away. The, like, if you're, if our business goes up in flames because you take a few hours to just disconnect, then we were never going to make it anyway. Like you're right. <laughs> yeah, I remember one time I had to take my take my laptop and get it fixed because something happened to it. Right, so I was at my computer for three days, and I was dying. Oh man, who's emailing whatever? And so, of course, I got got my computer back. There was like maybe we'll say I make this number. Like, we'll say a thousand emails. Not right. Probably nine hundred fifty of just crap. Right. I only had like fifty business related or emails mm-hmm. I actually want to look at. Right. And uh, that time I lesson right right there. So I started changing mm-hmm. that. So, mm-hmm. so so next, what do you do for fun? Oh wow! Well. I mentioned it earlier that we have a 
we just moved a few months ago to be closer to my parents and my hometown. And we went from a teeny, teeny, tiny little yard to almost 15 acres of land. So big, big adjustment for us. And oh, I mean, it's so peaceful. So I'm trying to be outside more in the garden, playing with the kids. Yesterday, we got a, it's not wiffle ball, but it is a, it's like wiffle ball and steroids set. So we're outside just playing with that. And which is, I know it sounds silly, but when we had a teeny, teeny, tiny little yard for up until recently for our entire marriage, we couldn't enjoy things like that. So that's big for us that we're enjoying just living outside way more than we ever have before. And I have amazing friends that we try to get together at least once a quarter and we go all out. So, and a lot of my friends work with me. So we just go all out. Anytime we can get together, we, I mean, we're going in the mountains this summer and we're going to be on a lake. We're going to go tubing. We're going to, I mean, just, we just love spending time together. So. um, That sounds like a great time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and how old are your kids? I have an 11 year old daughter and a seven year old son. So you might've thought about this. Maybe you didn't have you thought about, you know, the fact you're an entrepreneur, you're showing them a different lifestyle, different set of living. Cause you know, most people growing up, like I had no idea what entrepreneurship was going, going up. Right. And most people don't have access to a lifestyle. Right. So if we have talked about how you've been a role model and like showing your kids, like, a, you know, you don't have to work for them. It's quote unquote, the man or corporate America. <laughs> like you can start your own business and be successful. We talk about this often, actually. It's so I homeschool our children. And so half the day I'm, I'm, I'm focused on academics with them. And then the other half the day they're outside and I'm focused on business. So absolutely. I mean, we talk about what's going on in the business. Our daughter, especially, is at a right age to start understanding a lot of the concepts of business. But from since the time she was four or five years old, she was, I mean, how can I make money? Uh, I mean, how many lemonade stands they would have when we lived in a subdivision? All, I mean, all the time they were selling something. She would bake cookies. She would make brownies. She was, she was figuring out a way from a very young age, how to generate money on her own. And uh, yes, like even now, we are teaching those skills. And that's actually part of the reason why I wanted to homeschool was that financial education is lacking in the school system and understanding what debt is, uh, what consumer debt is, what, I mean, how to, uh, the importance of creating assets. And I mean, you don't learn any of that. I didn't. <laughs> now I grew up in Georgia. Georgia is really low ranking in you know, United States education, so maybe that's something to do with it. No, maybe it's, it's, else, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Okay, um, but no, it's absolutely. I think one of the most important skills to teach children in general is just financial education, and entrepreneurship is a great way for them to learn. So, I want them to start a business very young just so they learn from failing. I want them to struggle. I want them to kind of overcome a lot of those 
fears and everything that I had when I started my business as a grown adult, I wanted to go ahead and, hey, let's, let's roll, roll your sleeves up, make mistakes and, and, and let's create a business while you're still a kid because you'll learn so much about life in general by doing that. You're going to learn so much about people. Um, I talk to my children often about what it means to be a leader, what it means to, you know, it's, it doesn't mean you're in, um, you know, in charge of people and you just tell them what to do and they do what you say. Leading, if you're a true leader, you're using your influence for change versus your authority. And so right now I'm trying to teach my daughter the difference between the two. And there are times in parenting where it's very clear when I'm using my authority versus my influence with my children. And so they can see that, right? But, and your job as a leader is to serve your people. They're not there to serve you. You're there to serve your people. And what does that look like? So I also, um, I don't know if you've heard of the Tuttle Twins, but they talk a lot about, um, we have their whole book series, but they talk a lot about business and, and stock market and all kinds of stuff, but it's geared for children. So I'm always looking for resources. Uh, Cashflow, there's a board game that Robert Kiyosaki created called Cashflow for Kids. And I mean, every adult should probably play that game. It's not just for kids, but it is phenomenal. It is genius. It is wonderful. My children have loved it. I've loved it playing it with them. So you already talked about your company some, but can you, can you go more detail about how the company got started? What you're focused on right now and what your business is for the company going forward? Yes. So we are a young business. We officially launched in January of 2018. And that is in 2017, I was a virtual assistant myself. So that's where the idea came from was realizing untapped talent pool. I can teach them how to work together. I also know I can find clients. So, um, and it was a calling to support people just like my family who were struggling, who went through the same struggles that I did. So that's our why. And that's where the idea came from. And it came from one phone call to one, one of my best friends who also married an army ranger. And I said, Hey, I have this idea. Do you want to do this with me? And before I got the phone, she said, yes, my name's Brooke. And she's still with us to this day. And from there, it came, we had one person to two people to three people over the years. 2020 was uh, great for us in that it helped educate people on how to work with someone remotely and in the aspect of it can be done. Let's say that because I had a lot of pushback for the first couple of years from people and like, well, how does that work? How do you know you can trust someone? So now it's, it was 2020 taught people it can be done. And everyone got a boot camp. Everyone got a boot camp and how to work remotely. And that helped us with not having to educate so much our leads that were coming in that it was possible you know, so there was less fear. No, there was less fear in people's minds coming into it. Um, and then we just really had to focus on the communication and the delegation piece and the trust piece and making sure that was built. Um, 
So it helped bring more people in because less people were afraid. They all, now we knew. And then we've just been growing from there. We have um, almost 100 people you know, on our team. And we have... Um, yeah, where do we want to take it? That was the other question, right? Yeah, yeah. Where what do we see this what, going? What, what's the vision for your company? So a lot of people think, I think when they ask that question, you know, I want to take it to this size. I don't necessarily care so much about the size than I do as to the why behind it, you know? So where I see this growing is I would love for, you know, big 10-year vision is that, we're a, we are a virtual assistant company that is known everywhere around the world. So we want to open it up beyond the United States. Um, still hire from a military spouse pool because as of right now, all of our military spouses live in the States. But we also have military spouses who spend a few years in Spain and, you know, other parts of the world, Germany and Right now, our model doesn't support that, but I would love to see that expanding beyond and we can start having clients from all over the place because we also have um, military spouses um, in the appropriate time zones for that. So I think that would be great because a lot of times spouses have to leave the country for a while and they can't work. So, or it's a struggle. Um, so that is a kind of a very big long-term goal. I would love to also have um, a nonprofit started. I have a, you know, a desire to just help more people. I think in, in ways that are not necessarily completely in line with, with VA USA business model and how we're supporting people already. I kind of want to go above and beyond in helping our military community. And I haven't quite figured out what that looks like yet, but it definitely will be spouse focused. There's a ton of resources out there for veterans. Um, and I really want to just really hone in on that spouse portion. But I think the business is teaching me a lot about what those core needs are just based on what my people are needing and watching how they grow and or how they struggle and what's happening with, um, you know, America right now in our, in our, in society. So I'm, I'm just trying to observe and see where God's leading me in that way. But I definitely think it's a high possibility. And that's actually been on, on my heart for, I mean, since we started. So. When you started the company, did y'all bootstrap it? Did someone invest money in y'all or y'all take out a loan? How do you do the initial funding for the company? We bootstrapped. We bootstrapped. And um, my husband was able to kind of help cash flow in the beginning with his income coming in. And uh, in, in October of 2020, the business was strong enough to support both of us being home. So he was able to... I remember I said he was in corporate America for one year. So since he got out and then now it's, you know, being able to support us. So Mary Lane, what, what exactly do you do, do your VAs do? Like what tasks can they do for people? It varies from basic administrative services, such as email management, uh, task and project management, um, calendar management to, and that can be personal or 
professional. So, you know, making uh, travel arrangements to making restaurant reservations to buying a gift for your mother-in-law's and a birthday. (laughs) So they can do online shopping. um, They can do uh, basic bookkeeping. They can also, we do have people who have skills in the marketing world. So social media marketing, LinkedIn management, um, email marketing campaigns to building websites. Um, It really just depends on, does it require, if it, if you can use Wi-Fi and a phone and a computer, Nine out of ten times, we can probably find someone that can do it. So <laughs> sometimes there, we have clients that come in with with a little more specialized or you know uh, very specific things they're looking for, and it may take us a little bit longer to go find those individuals. Sometimes we recommend doing straight recruiting if it is very very specific and a little outside the wheelhouse. We'll go out and we'll recruit and then you can hire them on directly. But most of the time, our clients come to us for the day-to-day basic admin responsibilities. Is there anything that might be too complicated? Like suppose a client said, hey, I want you all to build up my business model for me. Like what's what's, what's off the chain? What's what's off the limit? I haven't been asked that one yet. but There's a time where you yes. say, hey, this, this might be out of our scope. Well, I will say this. We have had clients that certainly come in with thinking that if they hire an assistant, they're going to be able to double or triple their revenue. And because of the stuff that the assistant is doing. And that's a red flag right away. <laughs> It's no, you hire this person to take things off your plate so you can go do whatever it is you want to do, you know, uh, to increase the business revenue, right? So there's often a, um, not often, but sometimes unrealistic expectations of this, this assistant is just going to change my business overnight or change my life overnight. Um, that we have to make sure we manage and also identify very early on is this person coming in, you know, thinking that the assistant is going to make the company more money, more money, or are they understanding what delegation means and the value of handing off tasks that are tedious, time consuming and teachable. So you can focus on your area of genius. So did I answer the question? It, it, it does. There's a difference? Okay. It does. And has, that, has this happened to you? Like you have a client, they really love the VA and they, and they try to hire the VA away from you. Like this VA is so great. I'm going to bring you to my own company as a full-time employee. Absolutely. I mean, and that's, that's, that's amazing. Honestly, if, and we do offer buyouts, you know, if someone wants to do that, um, I believe that, no business owner should withhold that opportunity or freedom from an individual. And of course it hurts and stings, you know, in the beginning, but if you're thinking big picture, long-term, it feels good to know that 
you help facilitate that bigger opportunity for them and that they can contribute more, you know, to their family or that they have found a company that just really appreciates them and they feel very at home at and they have a wonderful working relationship. But there's a way to go about it that is ethical and honest and open. And and of course, there are ways to go about it that is, um, you know, shady. We've had people come in saying, yes, I, you know, I want to come in and I want to do this. And within 30 days, they've just whoop, completely and that's poaching, you know, at that point, you use you use the company for recruiting, but you didn't pay for recruiting. So um, we've learned some hard lessons, you know, through that process and tighten up agreements because of that. But anytime a client has come to us saying, hey, I want to offer this opportunity to this assistant because they're amazing and I just want them to keep growing with the company and I will offer them this full-time job. Okay. All right, let's negotiate. That's awesome. Like, let's, let's do thing, this. And the thing is, that person that left you is going to be a lifetime ambassador for your company. Absolutely. That, that is such a true statement. It, how you treat that person on the way out and how that goes down, again, uh, um, you know, that ripple effect. It, it's not just that one person that you're impacting. It's every person that they encounter. And you want that person to be an advocate and an ambassador for your company. Um, you know, I wish it always could be that way, but you know, sometimes things happen. And, um, but, I, but I also think even through those hard times where, you know, we, we hired, uh, or we, um, Hired, a, hired an assistant or a client that lacked integrity. All of that taught us something. Even through those painful experiences, it taught us something about ourselves. It taught us on, um, it made us even more determined to be very strict about who we let into our culture and our community. Because those lessons are really, really hard ones to recover from. And it also can permeate into your culture and damage morale. And, and that's why like, we are just so focused on being values-driven first. Marilyn, is there anything else I asked you that I have not asked you yet or anything you want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? Um. I don't think so. I feel like we covered a lot. I feel like you know my whole life story now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Marilyn, can, can you share your social media for yourself and your company so people can reach out to you? Absolutely. So my personal Instagram handle is just at Marilyn Baker. And then um, my business is at Hire, H-I-R-E-V-A-U-S-A. And that's for... Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and then our website is HireVAUSA.com. Yeah, for the listeners, we have the links to our social media the show notes. You find the show notes at www.cavernishtoblaw.com and be sure to share this episode with your friends and network and rate, review, and subscribe to Jason Cabinet Experience. So Mary Lane, do you, do you have a, a favorite social media you use? Or do you have a go-to social media for yourself and your company? Oh, 
Instagram is what we're primarily on. Instagram. For sure. Mm -hmm. It's what I'm on most of the time. (laughs) But between Instagram and LinkedIn, we're pretty active on both. Active. Mm -hmm. So Marilyn, we're coming in with talk. Can you give us any last minute wisdom or advice on anything you want to talk about? Speaking to business owners, culture is the most important thing to focus on. It really is. I have a formula and that is compassion plus connection plus communication multiplied by consistency equals a culture of trust. And if you're doing all of those things, you, everything else will come so much easier. That's, that's my biggest tip for anyone considering entrepreneurship or current business owners focus on culture and for military spouses out there, please apply. (laughs) That's not wisdom, but (laughs) we need wonderful people. And if, if any of your listeners know of anyone in the military community, um, I would love, love, love for them to be connected with us. And, um, you know, we just love supporting veterans personally through transition. That's our heart as well. And then we just um, love finding job opportunities for military spouses. Marilyn, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. Remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you, and remember to be great every day.